preaching on revival. Be excited. Uh, so I'm going to share a brief story. Um, dive into the word today. This brief story, allow me to invite you to it. It's a little bit of a personal story, recent experience of mine. Uh, so I was walking down the park the other day without revealing too much details. Um, and two gentlemen approached me. I don't stop for people that approach me when I'm walking because usually my mind is onto something else and I'm just trying to clear my head. Anyway, they approached me and then like, hey dude, how's it? And I'm like, yeah. I say, yeah, hopefully thinking like, I hope they're not Jehovah Witnesses because I'm already safe, you know? Uh, and they're like, dude, if someone were to give you a million rand, what would you do with it? And I'm like, million rand? Think about it quickly. And then what comes to mind is the story of my involvement in Dasnook High School. The story of the pupils of Dasnook High School working with them, doing an extramural project called the Sequoia Art Foundation. Um, and I begin to share the story of mine that, guys, if I were to get a million dollar or a million rand right now, I'm art in the township. I know we have Mangosutu University as the first university in a township space, but I'm thinking School of Art as a first creative school in a township space. And they're like, wow. Usually they hear people say, I'll buy a car, I'll buy a house, and all of a sudden I'm sharing my heart with them. And they're quite moved uh, with my story. And they're like, dude, do you mind tonight? We have an event. Actually, it happens every uh, weekday from 7 to 8. Uh, it's called Seats at the Table. Would you mind coming over and sharing your story? We're a group of young professionals just starting out um, in the work field. Um, and your story will just help us to not only think of climbing the ladder, but also of having heart. Um, and I'm like, whoa, guys. <laughs> I'm just here like, on vacation just to clear my mind, not to share stories. Um, am I getting a million rand? I didn't, unfortunately. I'm like, no. I was hoping for that million rand. I didn't get the million rand. I told them that like I have something on that day. Unfortunately, I can't make it. But if plans do change, I will make it. Eventually, I couldn't. But we did exchange numbers. They said, next time you're around, we'd love to have you there and to hear your heart. My story. <laughs> I'm trying to look into the future and of what God is doing in my life personally. But then the story reminded me that with me, I do carry a powerful story and a testimony that other people haven't lived. And when I share it, begin to wonder what type of questions reveal the depths of our hearts and what's in our hearts. Is it money, health, things that reveal what's in your heart? And this question for me, it's made me remember I look forward to my future. It made me remember why I'm part of this journey again, 
what am I doing it for? For the community of Dasanuk. Look into we're gonna look into uh, Nehemiah eight, chapter eight. Um, my topic is titled Revival. Title is the word and the people of God. Word. The word correction. Uh, we see the character of the word here being correction. We're going to dive in slowly into it just now. Days. Ezra gets up and he reads the book of law. Ezra was a priest. A priest was someone who represented the people of God and offered various sacrifices uh, prescribed in the law on behalf of the people of God. Ezra described with passion. Ezra had a passion for the scriptures. Ezra was a writer. He copied the word of God by hand and preserved it while the people of God were in exile. I had a shocking thought. I was like, probably thought, probably Ezra had a pretty amazing handwriting. Because I wouldn't be <laughs> writing the whole book of law with my hand. Because in five years' time, I won't see what I wrote. <laughs> I wouldn't be able to see what I wrote. Back then, there were no typing machines or computers. <laughs> As some scholars, they say minimum probably 20,000 people and maximum 50,000 people. They are all gathered, united as one man, one mind, one heart, zealous for the word of God. Of the seven month, Ezra the priest brought the word before the assemble of men, women, and all who could listen with understanding. While he was facing the square in the front of the water gate, he read out, he read out of it from daybreak until noon before the men, the women, and those who could understand. All the people listened attentively to the book of the law. Ezra the scribe stood on a high wooden platform made for this purpose. Mati Taya Shema Anaya, Oria, Hakaya, and Messiah stood beside him on his right, and to his left were Pediah, Meshala, I'm trying my best, Malkajaya, Hashma, Hashbedana, Ekariah, and Moshlama. Ezra opened the book in full view of all the people since he was elevated above everyone as he opened it. All the people stood up. Ezra praised the Lord, the great God, with their hands lifted high. Amen, the people said, and they bowed down and worshipped the Lord with their face on the ground. The whole assembly of people for Ezra is about to read the scriptures, and we have about one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, thirteen men. The first time the word is about to be read, for a number of years and time, as the people of God were in exile, 
they've never heard the word of God being read or had any clue about the word of God. The closest thing to give them hints of the word of God was Haggai, the prophet, when he came building of the temple. The first day of the month is the significant day for the Israelites. Moses, tell the Israelites in the seventh month, on the first day of the month, you are to have a day of complete rest, commemoration, joyful shouting, a sacred assembly. You must, sorry, you must not do any daily work, but you must present a fire offering to the Lord. It's amazing how this seems to be a coincidence, but at the same time, it looks like God has been writing a story of his people coming back to him. It's a day, it lands on a day where they are to have a complete rest, commemoration, and joyful shouting and assemble. Ezra is about to read the word. Ezra reads the book of the law. The book of the law was Moses, what was written by Moses, or it also known as the law of Moses. It refers to the first five books of the Bible. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. This was the Israel instruction manual for how to walk before God. Genesis is about the creation and the fall of the human race. Exodus is about the redemption and the first law, the Ten Commandments. Leviticus is about God's holiness and purity. Numbers is about disobedience of the people of God and 40 years of wandering around in the wilderness. Deuteronomy is the second law. Listen and love the Lord God with all your heart and soul and strength. But making a decision whether to obey God, which will lead to life, or disobey God, which will lead to death. You are blessed or you are cursed. Deuteronomy. I began to realize that Deuteronomy actually sums up the first four books of the Torah. Love the Lord God with all your heart and soul and life and strength. The people of God have failed to do. In the Jewish culture, children are taught Torah as soon as they are able to speak. By the age 13 for a boy and 12 for a girl, they should have memorized it. Thereafter, they become adults and responsible for their actions. I was amazed when I found this out. Like at age 12 and 13, held responsible for your actions. You are basically a young adult. And you should have known all the laws and the requirements of God. And the Jewish people, by culture, have been faithful to this principle. They teach it, build the conscience in young people or children. I'm responsible for their actions later on.
So what did the law, why, why preach the law? Why Ezra gets up and preach the law? The law revealed the sin. The, pre the present sin of the people and the past sin of their forefathers. Having a little bit just now into this some more. But what we also see in this chapter is that the Levites teach the law. Remember we had the 12, the 13 people, those were the Levites, and Ezra at the center as the, preach, as the priest and preaching the word of God. And the Levites just now on verse 7. Verse 7, explain the law to the people. They stood in their place. They read out of the book of the law and translating and giving the meaning so that the people could understand what was read. Nehemiah the governor, Ezra the priest, and the scribe, and the, Le and the Levites who were instructing the people said to all of them, Today is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep. For all the people were weeping as they heard the words of the law. Then he said, Go and eat what is rich, drink what is sweet, and send portions to those who have nothing prepared, since today is holy to the Lord. Do not grieve, is your strength. Israel, the preacher, and the Levites, the teachers, it was Ezra preaching the word, reading the word as it is, and now secondly, it's word to the people. That people will be teach, uh, should be should be taught the word of God. Bible is not a one man band. Individuals with unique gifting that are hungry for Jesus and to see Jesus. And to, that are hungry for Jesus and to see a maturing bride of Christ. We don't need, we don't need a new teacher, sorry, we don't need a new philosophy or to be taught a new philosophy or teachers that will teach new philosophies of this world. But we do need better translators of the word of God. We need teachers that understand the word of God. Teach without understanding, you risk a great deal of confusing the people. Teachers help the people to understand the law of God or the word of God. It is important to see the story of God and how God is using the Levites and together with Ezra the priest. Why does Scripture requires special understanding or attention to the word of the scripture through cleverness or formulating clever ideas or arguments. It's through spiritual discernment. God reveals his heart to his people and what he's doing in their midst. So we don't need accommodates, although they are good for this world of Christ and kingdom, we need open, willing hearts that are teachable, willing to experience God, and willing to translate their understanding of the scriptures as they have been taught and mentored by someone. Because it's all connected. Another thing that teachers do 
is they help us contextualize or translate. Help me see it in my situation is the question I have for translators or for the teachers that contextualize. Basically, that's all they do is to help us see it in our context. How do we see God in our context in Devon? How do we see God in Harbor City? How do we see God at work? How do we see God in our personal stories and families and careers? How do we see God? We need teachers that will help us translate the scriptures into our immediate spaces of life and experience. Help us with application. Application answers this question. What do I need to do? What can I do? Answer a big, big decision to make. Or a small decision to make. Or need an advice. You read the scripture. Not winning. It's when teachers can come along to help you find, find your answers. They are not the answer. God is the answer. But they help you realize God in your space. How God is moving. Distinctively. Teachers are to speak clearly. Easy to understand. To impress or entertain people. Or to speak in a heavy jargon. Can you imagine speaking to your child in a heavy jargon? They understand. If you're mad at them, it will be inappropriate because the instruction wasn't clear at first. But you have to lower it down to their level so that they could understand. And when they do understand, then they could act appropriately and follow the instructions. It's a bit to see what God has been doing amongst his people We've had Nehemiah building the walls. We had Haggai encouraging the people. We have Ezra reading the word and the Levites teaching the word. It's a beautiful link and synergy of collectiveness. Revival is made alive again. It's a nice simple phrase, made alive again. Jesus reviving what's dead and bringing it back to life. So in the story, God is reviving what was dead and bringing it back to life through his word alone. We're using selected men that have their hearts open to be used by God to carry out this ministry of revival as God seeks to make his people alive again partnerships. We cannot do it on our own. It's not biblical. When we do it on our own, the world claps. Often radio or songs. I'm the real. Uh, so on, so on, so on. They take themselves because they did it on their own. But it's not like that. We don't do it in our own. We do it through community. Community, God claps. What kind of applause do you want? Kingdom applause. God's approval, God's grace, God's honoring, God's presence. Full servant. Well done, my son. In a workspace and climbing a corporate ladder, 
No, that's not what I'm saying. It's God. We spoke about worship, worship before walls. It starts with the word, then it's carried out. No. Whatever we achieve will always be better. But when what we achieve weighs more than Jesus, Jesus are far important than the pearls we get from God, then we've missed it. Because Jesus is jealous of our heart. He want to be the only God and the, one, and the only person who lives right there and is glorified so that he can redirect our path. He's building a bigger kingdom and a bigger picture of the story of God and his grace and love for his people. Get relevant. If you're not a teacher, find someone to teach you. God, there are no self-made disciples. I'll do my own thing. I'm in my corner. I'm in my zone. I'll tune in online. Play my favorite worship song. Dial in my favorite YouTube pastor. Follow the best Instagram page. No. <laughs> there are no self-made disciples. It's true partnership and it's true community. The great people of God. Or by someone, or someone has taken you under their wing, it's a good thing for you. Because in the near future, looking for someone to help them. Now we move on to the people of God. We've had just a quick reminder. We have the word, the word being preached. We had the Levites teaching the word. Now we're moving into the people of God. What is about the people of God is that from morning, the break of dawn, to early time and space for it. They were all together as one united and zealous for the word of God. They thank God by saying amen when Ezra blessed the Lord. This was when Ezra also prayed. They lifted their hands. The people also worship. They bowed down before him. The Spirit was already at work before Ezra preached the books of the law. I find this to be to what happens later on in the Old Test in the New Testament. When the day of the Pentecost had arrived, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like that of a violent rushing wind came from heaven and it filled the whole house where they were staying. They saw tongues like flames of fire separating and resting on each one of them. Then they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in different tongues as the Spirit enabled them. That's Acts 2 from 1 to 4. Again, here on the preview, we see God doing a similar thing. People are praising God. And down the line, when the Holy Spirit is being poured, same thing happens. People are united. People are praising God. And fire in the Holy Spirit comes.
This time around, in the Old Testament, the word came. The word came alive in people's heart. The promise, Jesus Christ, came in fall upon the people of God. And received the word. And it is worth noting this when they received the word. Timothy 2, 3, 16. All scripture is inspired by God and is profitable for teaching, rebuking, and for correction. So when people have received the word, they are being corrected of their sins. Corrected of their sins. And guess what the people do? All the people wept to the people. Do not mourn, nor do you weep. Do not cry, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Your strength. To know your sins without hope is depressing. On this day when God and his word had come down and being proclaimed, because mourning to them seemed like a reverence thing that they had to do. Because all their life they've been a history of their forefathers that we have been this way. There's no better for us. And also they think this is appropriate to respond with mourning and wailing before God. When the walls came up, they were wailing. There was a mixture of sound when Jamie spoke on it. Wailing and shouts of joy, this mixed sound. Some people are happy, some are not. You're just confused. You're not sure of what you're hearing. Those people have become accustomed that you can't laugh at church. It's not godly. Even when we sing praise and worship, you can't dance. It's not godly. You should cry. It's tenderness that what you should do. For the joy of the Lord is your strength. In the beginning was the Word. John 1. Beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. All things were created and made through Him, and apart from Him, not one thing was made or created. Peter reads the Word. I get a sense that it is coming down to his people, but taking residence in their hearts. So they shouldn't mourn because God has arrived. Look at the doors of their heart. And the word was God. Scraps. People, they've never heard of God or heard the word of God. They're hearing it for the first time. They think they should cry. And Ezra, they're saying, no, you should rejoice because God has arrived. His word has arrived. His word is alive and active. His word will make us alive again. It's not a time for weeping, but it's a time for rejoicing and celebration. Now smile. You can now laugh. God is your strength. Even in adversity, to, to sing, even in the midst of trials, because the joy of the Lord is your strength. And his word has arrived. Do not mourn. This is a holy day. Do not mourn or weep. So people begin to rejoice. To a part that reminded them of a festival that they should celebrate. 
God brought back the branches and made boots for themselves, each of their roofs and courtyard community that had retained from the exile made boots lived in them. They had not celebrated this from the days of Joshua, son of Nu, until that day. There was tremendous joy. Ezra read out the book of the law every day. From the first day to the last day, Israelites celebrated the festival for seven days, and on the eighth day was an assemble according to the ordinance. So as they read, again, it's another coincidence that they were to celebrate and bring the boots. So I looked it up. Unfortunately, I couldn't uh, get the image, but I looked it up. I looked it up. Simple. It's like, like building a pasture at the front of your yard, building a pasture. So you have like wood logs around you, connected, and a little bit of green leaves on top of it. And then they were to celebrate that. And remember the blessings and God's goodness over the time from Exodus all the way to where they are. They were to celebrate this for seven days. And as Ezra is preaching and reading the word, happening within the seven days. They are feasting, they are, they are being taught the word, the word is being, is being preached. It's this amazing events. It started out not being sure what would happen, and it's ending in a feast, and a blast of the feast, because they even over-prepared the food to give to those who do not have. So they did not only cater for themselves, they also catered for the people that didn't have, so that everyone could join in and celebrate this time. The joy of the Lord is our strength. It's not the time for mourning. It's time to celebrate. The word of God has arrived. The word of God, God himself has arrived through his word and through his presence and through Ezra and through Nehemiah and through Haggai and through the Levites. They have been invited to join in a feast and celebration. Two, it's off to, the meet, to meeting together in the temple and the break of bread from house to house, they ate their food with joyful and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. Every day the Lord ended, added to their number those who were being saved. So again, you have a preview of this big feast in the Old Testament in Nehemiah, and you also have it later. So I come to the end, who's celebrating God's goodness. It's the same template or prototype that God continues to use throughout his story, even in the New Testament. When Jesus was resurrected, the first thing he did, break bread and toasted fish and ate with Peter. And where was, there was food, there was a feast. It was a time of celebration. When he comes back again, it will be a time of celebration and of a great feast. Great feast. In the meantime, we preach the word, we teach the word, we are being taught the word.
So allow me. Um, and it today, a Christian long enough, maybe not long enough. Uh, maybe you struggle with, maybe not. Uh, but today, I would like to ask us to join in in this prayer of God, just His Word amongst His people in Nehemiah eight. I would like us God to do the same for us and for our heart, that we never lose grip of this world and hold on to the beliefs of that we are always interested experiencing the full transformational power of Christ in our lives. And we keep up with it every day. So can we close our eyes? Dear Lord Jesus, we thank you, God, for this time. We thank you, God, for being with us in our midst. We pray, God, that may your word today make us alive again. Only remind us that the joy of the Lord is our strength. That the joy of the Lord is our strength. That we can draw strength from your joy. That we can draw strength from you, God. Not from mourning and weeping. Yes, Lord, some of us have been disobedient. Not taking a great deal of your word, but won't you awaken our hearts again to yearn for you and to yearn for your word, to see your kingdom come through your word, God, for your revival to be realized first in our hearts, in our hearts and houses and families, and thereafter, God, into our communities, Lord. May it revive your church, build your bride until you come back, Jesus Christ. Amen.